listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And if you don't have your Bible, um, in the back of those green chairs in front of you, there are some black Bibles. And if you don't have one, you can take that home. If you're weird like me and you have like 15, then please don't take it. But if you don't have one, then feel free to take it. And we're going to be, like I said, in the book of Ephesians. It's going to be our series we're beginning. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive in here in, in here in just a second. God, thank you so much for just this church, Lord, this family, and um, God, your love for us, and God, for your word. And I pray that as we study this morning that you would just speak to us, or that you would drown out any distractions, and that we would just focus on you and hear what you have to say. Well, I know there's some folks even here this morning from uh, maybe all over the country, even all over the world, coming to tech, and I pray that as they're busy transitioning and getting involved in um, a new place and a new school that you would just maybe settle them this morning and they would find community and they would find strength in kind of a, a, a crazy time, a crazy season. They would find strength from your word. God, we love you. And look forward to what you're going to do. So your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Ephesians the next 12 weeks or so. And the way we've done this is for, like I said, for that period, we'll be in Ephesians. But I've kind of broken down the book into about four different sections. And so I thought we'd start off the first series with a really serious title called Who You Is. And so be feel, be, feel free to say that and have some fun with that, Who You Is, all right? Um, a couple things about the book that you need to know. So this, and I'll, I promise this will be brief, this kind of introductory stuff, but this book was written by a guy named Paul who was a really religious man, a Pharisee, um, but who didn't have a relationship with God. And one day on the road to Damascus, Jesus showed up, and the long story short, he saved a guy that was named Saul, and he eventually, after coming to know Christ, he started going by his Roman name. He started going by the name of Paul, and he was an apostle. It means he was an official representative of Jesus Christ, and he actually ended up writing a lot of the New Testament, and so we believe that what is recorded of Paul's writings in, in the Bible is directly the Word of God. Does that make sense? So we're, we're reading Ephesians this morning. This is the Word of God, not just some some random dude. Now, a couple of things about the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> a lot of times when you read an epistle, it's always important in Scripture to know the context of who they were writing to and why they were writing, what was going on in that context. When Ephesians, Paul really is kind of addressing some, some simple, basic, kind of almost, don't hear boring when you hear this word, but generic issues of the Christian faith. It wasn't like he was they're addressing all this drama in Ephesians. And so what I love about Ephesians, it's a good book uh, really for everybody, even when just at the first reading. So it's a great book for new Christians because it just shows you what the Christian life is about, kind of the basics of, of believing in Christ, what you might call doctrine, but also the basics of doing, actually living out your faith. It's also good for people who maybe you're here this morning and you have some questions. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you're kind of on the fence about this thing. And what I love about Ephesians is it clarifies what real biblical Christianity is. Because, I don't know if you know this, a lot of people in our world call themselves Christians, 
and they really don't know what that is. There's so much, cult, and like, I love where we live, but especially in West Texas, there's so much cultural Christianity, right? The average person, if you ask them, are you a Christian? They say, yeah, of course, but they, they in no way, shape, or form love Jesus. So it's good for new believers, it's good for people who maybe are interested in what Jesus is about, but it's also good for more mature believers because you never outgrow the gospel. It means you never outgrow your need to hear about Jesus and what he did for you. And more than that, I'd say it's good for mature believers because we all tend to forget how beautiful some things can be. Are you with me? Now, let me tell you this. So I worked with middle school students and now uh, with college students and, and now with you guys. It's so fun. But I like, I like for people to talk. Does that make sense? So I don't just mean like, amen, brother. But you can say that. But I don't mean just that. I just like conversation. And so um, I'm gonna, we're going to do this here for a second. I'm going to let you, with the people around you, I want you to take, I'll give you like 60 seconds. I'll be watching the clock, so don't cheat it. 60 seconds to discuss what are some things that you think you sometimes may take for granted. Beautiful things around you, amazing things in your life that you occasionally may take for granted. Doesn't have to be spiritual. Don't overthink it. Ready, set, go. You can talk. It's okay. All right, let me hear, are there any brave souls to tell me, uh, raise your hand real quick, tell me something or something, maybe not. I was thinking like, should you say, man, my wife, but that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because you're like, then you're admitting you take her for granted. So don't say that one out loud, okay? Um, but anybody, something you may take for granted? The fridge, the fridge. amen. <laughs> okay, spoken like a true college student. Yes, yes ma'am. Education. Education, are you starting school soon? All right, let's give her a hand for like, liking school, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, anybody, yes, yes, sir. A lock on a mini fridge, okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am, Brittany. The ability to breathe, because then when you have a cold, you can't breathe through your nose. Yes, do you hear what she said? The ability to breathe, because when... Not that this ever happens in West Texas, but occasionally, if, oh man, if you're new here, we should just give you a warning. I mean, this is great stuff. But occasionally, this really crazy thing happens. The wind blows, and all of a sudden, half of the dirt from New Mexico is in Lubbock, and it gets <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and so then, yes, you can't breathe. And so because you can breathe today, you should not take it for granted, because the dirt may blow, and then you will not be able to blow your nose. All right, that's gross, sorry. Yes, ma'am, Delia. Air conditioning, absolutely, yes, for sure. So many good things we take for granted. I think, so, uh, man, this is home now, Lauren. My wife and I, Lauren, and I love it here. But occasionally, I'll think, man, we live, we grew up in Florida, and I met some folks from California, that they're close to the beach, too. When you're that close to the beach, then all of a sudden, you're in beautiful Lubbock, which it is awesome, 
you kind of miss the beach. Is that fair to say? I'm not trying to be mean. You just kind of miss the beach. Or, or once you've lived in West Texas for a while, I thought I was crazy when this happened. But I had gone to, uh, that's right, my friend Joey, his wedding in Alabama, Opelika, Alabama. And so I've been living in Lubbock for, I guess, three or four years at this point. Uh, flew to Birmingham to drive to the wedding. And I was driving, and all of a sudden I felt really, uh, I can't say this word, claustrophobic. I was like, what is, what is, why did I feel this way? And it was because there were so many trees. <laughs> like, I thought, I've lived in Lubbock long enough that I, trees scare me. Um, <laughs> what's happening here? But yeah, you live in West Texas, and you, if you move, I really do think you start to miss the, the beautiful sunsets. We've had some arguments before about what's prettier, Colorado, Texas. And I do think the sunsets in Texas are, are pretty amazing. Um, or even, I do think it'd be easy, <clears throat> man, Lubbock is a great place on its own, but it's really cool that we have a university here, or really two universities. And so if you ever move to a different city where there's not a university there, I think you'll realize that you may have taken it for granted just the fun and the energy that comes from living in a college town. Like anybody ready for football season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some vibrancy that comes from that. Um, but more than that, I think something else that we sometimes take for granted is just the blessings we have in Christ. We, we take for granted God's goodness to us. And I'll, just to give you an example, I know it takes us a while to get warmed up in worship, but how easy is it for all of us, me included, to come in on a, on a Sunday or whenever, like come into worship and to, to not really engage in worship because you're just distracted by your own life. You're just not really thinking about or aware of, of the blessings that you have in Christ. And I think some of us even wonder, and I think this is a fair question, Sometimes you may even wonder, like, is, is God good to me? Are there blessings that he gives me? Like, as a child of his, having a relationship with him, does he give me blessings? And if you're like, how dare you ask that? <laughs> I think that the reason Paul, or one of the main reasons that Paul includes what he does in the first chapter of Ephesians is because he knows that we're prone to forget how, God, how good God is to us. <laughs> We're prone to get distracted and be caught up with our own problems or even our own pleasures of this world and forget how good that God really is to us. And so the big question that we want to ask this morning is, what are the blessings that you could, if you're writing it down, what are the blessings that I receive from having a relationship with Christ? And gosh, this is the furthest thing from health and wealth, but the reality is when you have a relationship with Christ, there are blessings that come with that, just like if, if you're smart and you marry up like I did, there are blessings that come with that relationship, right? So what are the blessings that you have from your relationship with Christ or from having a relationship with Christ? I'm going to dive in in chapter one. I hope that you'll, you'll join there with me. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So I thought, you know, my first time preaching in the venue, 
I would just pick a real easy passage that talks about predestination and being chosen and nothing controversial, right? Nothing at all. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it's a pretty thick passage, but here's what I want you to see. We're, we're going to actually go through all the way through 14 today, but here's what I want you to see. Paul's kind of notorious for these run-on sentences, but in verses 3 through 6, he's setting up. He's laying the foundation. He's, he's showing us how we get into a relationship with Christ. So the question I think he's answering in this passage is, what are the blessings we receive from having a relationship with Christ? That's the main focus of the passage. But in verses 3 through 6, he's saying, here's how you get into a relationship with Christ. And let me just like maybe draw a little cul-de-sac here for a second because we've got to deal with these words here. Um, obviously, the emphasis of this passage is on the sovereignty of God. Like we can't deny it, that you're chosen, that you're predestined. Um, so talking about that for a second, while I, I personally, maybe in scripture, lean a little more towards like resting in the sovereignty and grace of God rather than like focusing on my free will. I think there's a lot of like peace, um, and trusting that God is sovereign. At the same time, I think in scripture, there are holy tensions. What, what does that mean? So on one hand, I do think there are a lot of passages that really do emphasize the free will of man that nature. But there are also other passages, like this one, that emphasize the sovereignty of God. And I think in that, it creates this healthy, good tension. Let me show you what I mean, how that, how that lives itself out. If you focus way too much on the, the free will aspect and get caught up with that, you know what? If you take that too far, what happens? All of a sudden, you don't know if God's really in control. You don't know if God even knows what's going to happen tomorrow, much less if you do. Is that a good place to be? No. <laughs> like, just to be clear, God is in control, right? You with me? Like, he does know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I don't want to go too far that way because that's bad. But also, if I go too far to the God's sovereignty route and, like, that's all I think about and that God, I'm not responsible for any decisions, just God just does it all, then you get some crazy um, ways that you live. I had this guy I knew in college who, no lie, he would, on the weekend, go out, sleep around, get drunk, and come back and dead with a straight face say, just God's will for my life, man. <laughs> You're an idiot, right? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> that's a little extreme there, but that's, that was a true. That is a true story. So I think there's these tensions that keep us balanced, to keep us living healthy and even like thinking healthy in our thoughts. Does that make sense? I'm not saying I have to agree with it all, but hopefully that makes sense a little bit. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> I love what John Stott says about these verses, real quick. He says. He's a British theologian. I, I should read it with a British accent, but I won't. Maybe next week. <laughs> it's a little early. Got to ease into this. Mark well this statement. He chose us in him. Talking about God. He determined to make us who did not yet exist his own children through the redeeming work of Christ, which had not yet taken place. It was a definite decision. It also arose from his entirely unmerited favor, since he chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him, which indicates that we, when in his mind he chose us, were unholy and blameworthy, and therefore not, uh, not deserving of adoption, but of judgment. So let's just get to the point here. Again, the point of this passage is not to have an argument about free will versus predestination. That's not the point. He's setting up how we get into a relationship with Christ, and what does he say? It's not dependent on you. 
It's not dependent on how good you are or how much you have it figured out. He said, God adopts you. It's his choosing. And what does he say the response should be? To rejoice, to praise him for that. To say, God, thank you so much for saving me. See, Chance the Rapper actually had it wrong. As much as I love Chance the Rapper, it's not when the praises go up, the blessings come down. No, it's the blessings come down, and so the praises should go up. So you know Chance the Rapper too. Okay, it's good. Um, yeah, because he's blessed me, because he saved me, adopted me, I should. Some, some of the folks are like, who in the world is Chance the Rapper? Um, uh, Pastor Dave was mentioning him too. Don't worry. It's okay. Um, uh, yeah, because he's adopted me, because he's blessed me with salvation, I should praise him. I should rejoice. I should worship. So if the point of the passage is not about that, but it's just laying the foundation that before we even get the blessings of having a relationship with Christ, the actual coming into a relationship with Christ is a blessing in and of itself, something I don't deserve, couldn't earn on my own. So that, that's pretty amazing. So what are the blessings? This is not a comprehensive list, but he gives us three big blessings all the way through, starting in verse 7 through 14. We'll look at them one at a time. Read with me starting in verse 7. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So here's the first blessing. Because you have a relationship with Christ, you are set free from sin. It means that sin, the weight of it, the guilt of it, the condemnation of it, the shame of it, no longer has a hold on you if you know Jesus. It's such a, a basic truth that we should never, ever get over. If you know Christ, you have a relationship with him, you are set free from sin. I love it. It says, um, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So forgiveness is God fully, freely, and finally setting you free from your sin. It doesn't own you. It can't shame you. It doesn't have power over you unless you let it because he set you free. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So they kind of sound a little similar. It really, it's, they're almost the same idea, but here's the nuance. The forgiveness comes through the redemption, him setting us free, delivering us from the wrath of God. So forgiveness happens through redemption, and how was the redemption paid? How did he pay the price to set us free? What's it say? Through his what? Through his blood. I get forgiveness of sins. God looks at me as though I had never sinned, and rather as though I looked, or excuse me, lived the life of Jesus because Jesus paid the price for all of my sins. Redemption through his blood. Forgiveness of our trespasses. And this wasn't just like God said, eh, I'll guess I'll forgive you. Like, you're just going to barely squeeze by. You did a lot of really bad stuff, so you're just going to kind of barely squeeze by with this forgiveness thing. No, look what he says. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. So it's not like he says, are oh, you going to kind of squeak by? No, he takes the dump truck of grace and mercy and just dumps it all on you. He's like, clean it off later. Have fun with that, right? 
just covers you in grace and mercy. It's like he takes you out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The, something about the Pacific. I grew up on the Atlantic, but the Pacific is a little bit daunting. It's just kind of a beast. It's like God takes you out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. If that represented his grace, and he just drops you in there and says, have fun. You're never getting out of my grace. You can swim as hard and as long as you wanted to, but your sin will never extend my grace, my goodness. <laughs> if you're in a relationship with Christ, then you're set free from sin. What, what should you do with that? You should do what Martin Luther did. You should rejoice. He said, if I could actually believe that God wasn't angry with me, it's kind of funny to think about this like monk type person saying this, but he said, if I could believe that God wasn't angry with me, I would stand on my head for joy. <laughs> when you think about the forgiveness and grace of God, you should rejoice. There's no better like, picture illustration of this than the prodigal son, right? If you're like, what is that? It's, it's the story Jesus told, talking about sinners and redemption and forgiveness and coming home of a son who completely rebelled against his father, completely turned his back on his dad, lived every imaginable sinful lifestyle you could imagine, and one day realized, man, my only hope is maybe to go back to my dad, and maybe, even if he keeps his anger, maybe he'll let me be a slave for him. But you remember, says he was walking towards his dad, his dad saw him a long ways off, and what did he do? He ran with arms open wide, with arms open wide with forgiveness and grace, and not just like, oh, get in here, fine, okay, we'll make this work, you can be my slave. No, arms open wide, we're gonna have a party, you are completely forgiven. Y'all, that's what's on the table. <laughs> if you're in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus because he saved you, that forgiveness is yours. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, that forgiveness can be yours if you'll simply turn to him for salvation. Jesus is good. Now, that blessing in and of itself, the blessing of being set free from sin, would be enough to be like, all right, we're done. Like, we can worship. That's all good. That's an incredible blessing. But he's just getting started. Look at this second one. By the way, I'm going to give you a little indicator of where we're going, and I think this is helpful. If you want, I'm assuming your translation is similar to mine, maybe. This is, I'm using the ESV. So the beginning of verse 7, the first two words in my translation says, in him. Now skip up to verse 11. That's what we're going to pick up in a minute. Um, it says, in him. You can highlight that. And then verse 13 says, in him. See that? Maybe yours is a little different. But I think that's a good indicator of these three blessings. By the way, I'm really trying to stick to the clock. If you afterwards are like, what in the world does Verse nine mean about the mystery of his will. I'll be at the Welcome Center after this. We can talk about it as long as you like. I just don't have time to get into it right now. Basically, it just says he's gonna make all things new, all things right through Jesus. It's really, really cool. Okay, <laughs> verse 11, second blessing. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Man, this is so cool. Because you have a relationship with Christ, here's our second one, because you have a relationship with Christ, the best is yet to come. He says you have an inheritance. You are an heir, a child of God. What in the world does that mean? As, as children of God, what are we heirs of? What, what is the thing that is coming that we're going to get to experience one day? You can say it a little louder. What was it? 
Heaven, eventually, I mean, we could experience death, but eventually heaven, right? I love the, I love the, going, the going for it there. That's good, yeah. Eventually, we get to inherit heaven. So that's what we get to get. And by the way, he says, again, being predestined. So heaven is not something I earned. It's not something I could have uh, tried to deserve. No, it's simply, man, God called me. He's, he's adopted me. And because I'm his child, I get the gift of one day inheriting what is his, and that is heaven. So think about that for a second. Revelation 21 says that in heaven there is no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. First Peter says that our inheritance is an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. So let's maybe translate those things a little bit. It means because you have an inheritance, because the best is yet to come for you, it means that your worry, your sickness, your anxiety, your struggles all have an expiration date. <laughs> there's going to be an end to them. And like First Peter says, there's this newness that will never wear off in heaven. I don't know about y'all, but I can't wait for that. Don't y'all like when you order something from Amazon, there's something about getting that package in, you know what I'm talking about? You get the package in, it's new, and you're excited. But like a week later, you're like, did I even order anything? I can't remember, right? Um, in heaven, that won't be a thing. The goodness of heaven is not going to fade away. The goodness of being in God's presence and his glory is not going to fade away. All your struggles have an expiration date. So the best is yet to come. Lauren and I had the opportunity uh, a few weeks ago to fly up to Lake Tahoe in California, which is really beautiful. We had never been up there. Really awesome. And this lady at the hotel told us about this hike, made it sound like it wasn't that difficult. Hey, awesome. We can handle this. We're pros. Not really. And uh, that, that evening, I was looking it up, trying to be responsible so I don't take my children's mother out in the woods and get us killed, and so, um, our, our, our kids, anyways. And so, uh, I looked it up, and on the app, or whatever, this website, it, it described the hike as very difficult, which we're like, ain't no problem, right? Actually, I was kind of scared, I'm not going to lie. And so, we go on this hike, and it, it really was hard. I don't know if this means anything to you, but in about three miles, we climbed uh, an elevation of 2,000 feet. So, it was just... Like for, for flatlanders, that was a lot, okay? That was a lot, a lot of climbing up. Um, and it was, it was really difficult. It was funny. There, every time we like think about giving up, uh, we had seen a couple of little tiny like ankle biter dogs go past this. And Lauren was like, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I don't care. We, we saw one guy. I feel like there's always that one random guy. We saw one guy running up the trail. And he was the happiest person on the trail. I'm like, did you do drugs before this? Like, what is wrong with you? Um, Anyways, it was super difficult, but <laughs> along the way, there were glimpses of really beautiful things. <laughs> and more than that, we could kind of see as we, we kind of hiked up the back of, uh, it was in Squaw Valley, like the back of this mountain, so to speak, to come up on top of it. And as we walked, we, kept, we could keep seeing the top of the mountain. And they had told us at the bottom before we started, when you get to the top, and the view's incredible, you can actually see Lake Tahoe, even though it was like six or seven, I think about seven miles from that mountain, you could see it in the distance. And so as difficult as the hike was, we kept going because we knew the best was yet to come, right? We knew things were going to get better. We kept pushing. And actually, this picture doesn't even come close to doing it justice, um, not even close. Uh, but yeah, that's Lake Tahoe. You can see there, kind of in the middle of the screen, about seven miles Away, And it was really cool. They had a pool and a restaurant up there, so everything was better. <laughs> um, 
But I think that's a little bit of a picture of, of what Paul's saying here. You have an inheritance of heaven. The best is yet to come. You've gotten glimpses of it, so keep pushing. Keep, keep striving. Keep struggling, even when it's tough, because the best is yet to come. You know the best part about the fact that the best is yet to come? It says, not dependent on you. Look at this last one in verse 13. It says, in him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Man, this is so cool. Because you have a relationship with Christ, your future is sealed by the Holy Spirit. How do I write it up here? Yeah, your future is sealed by the Holy Spirit. It means that you're, you're going to heaven, you're one day experiencing um, perfect relationship with God and being in his presence. It's not dependent on you figuring it out or how good you are. It's dependent and relies on the Holy Spirit. I love that he says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This idea of sealed is not like God puts you in a little Ziploc bag and seal it up and stay in there till later. No, it's sealed like he puts a mark on you. The, the idea is that he puts a tattoo. No, we're not saying we're four tattoos or anything. Anyways, but he says, it's like he puts a mark on you that you can't ever get off. I'm not necessarily against tattoos either, just to be clarified. Anyways, so <laughs> he, puts this, he puts this mark on you, like spiritually speaking, that you can't get off. You're sealed forever his. So wherever you go, God's like, that's, he or she is mine. Like, the mark is on them. It's not dependent on how good you are, how perfect you are. It's dependent on him. And he says, verse 14, who is the guarantee, talking about the Holy Spirit, of our inheritance? So he's saying, you've already been given the Holy Spirit, and he's like the down payment on what's to come. So you know it's, it's going to happen. Like, heaven is a for sure thing. Because you've already experienced the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God. And the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, has already been convicting you of sin, already been giving you the peace and the hope of Jesus, already been changing your hearts so that you want to be more like Jesus. So he says, rest in that, knowing that's not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. It's not how well you can like try to, angel hates it when I do this, but it's not how well you can try to stand on this little spot of God's grace. No, it's like there's plenty of room, and he, he holds you. It's, it's dependent on him. He keeps you until that day. I think about Philippians 1 that says um, he's going to begin what he started in you. So that means that there's never an expiration date on your salvation. There's not this like return to cinder. There's not this problem of bankruptcy. You can't mess it up. Your salvation and ultimately your future in heaven rest in the hands of God. Is that good news? Absolutely. It's kind of, I like to think of it like this. It's almost as if when you become a Christian, when you are saved by grace through faith in Christ, as he says later in Ephesians, it's almost like wedding vows where God, the Holy Spirit says to you, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish and he doesn't say till death do his part, because newsflash, God isn't going to die. <laughs> so he says, you're to love and to cherish forever. I got you. 
What do you do with that? What do you do with that truth that your future is dependent on God and not on you? You rest in that. <laughs> Listen, grace is not opposed to effort. Like we should put effort into pursuing Jesus, to being more like him, to knowing Christ. We should do that. But grace is opposed to earning. This idea of I can earn a relationship with God. I can earn my right to get into heaven. I can earn this like keeping God happy with me if I just stay in this little box. No, grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. So a way that something that comes to mind when I think about that truth that my, my future in heaven is sealed by him is our little boy Haddon. He, for various reasons, he does this a lot. Um, whether he's eating or playing or something, sometimes if he's, for him, it's really excited. This is where the metaphor breaks down a little bit. But he'll, um, if he's really passionate about something, He'll all of a sudden just take whatever he has and just go, <laughs> just squeeze. And his cheeks just, because <laughs> he has these awesome little cheeks. Um, and every time I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, eh. <laughs> I promise he's not creepy. <laughs> but I think that's this picture, and he does it for lots of fun, goofy reasons. But I think him doing that is sometimes a reflection of what we do in our spiritual lives. Of like, like I'm, not, I'm not talking about effort of knowing Christ. We have this idea of like, I got to keep God happy with me. I got to do everything right. I want to make sure I, I just stay inside of his grace. I want to do this right. And rather than, rather than just enjoying a relationship with Christ and, and, and delighting in him, it's always, always about do, 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 do. And I think when we think about being sealed by the Holy Spirit, that should cause us to rest a little bit. He's got this. <laughs> Because you have a relationship with Christ, you're free from sin, the best is yet to come, and your future is secured by the Holy Spirit. Speaking of my kids, our little girl, Haddon's twin sister, Carolina Tate, she, uh, now I'm making both of them sound kind of creepy this morning, I promise they're not creepy, but she, almost if you ever at the house when we eat or babysit, whatever, after every meal, she has these stuffed animal she loves. One is her bunny and one is her kitty. Um, and the bunny is kind of taking the first love now. But after every meal, she kind of gets a little upset and she'll, uh, I'll say, you want your bunny? And she, uh, she never says yes, even though she can. She always goes, hey. <laughs> I'm always like, all right, we'll go get your bunny. So we take her back there. And as soon as she gets the bunny, she just starts giggling and she just squeezes it. And for the next few minutes, she just kisses it and just it's this weird like giggle thing. And I'm like, one day you'll love me like you love your bunny, um, maybe. <laughs> but I love that she, I love that there's this, she doesn't just smile. There's always this kind of creepy when I do it, but not creepy when she does it, this little giggle, this just overflow of joy because, again, at some point we'll have to get this out of her, but because she got what she desired, right? She wanted her bunny. That's all she thinks she needs in life. Seriously, bunny and milk, that's all she wants. Um, and when she got her bunny, she, she rejoices, to use a church word. <laughs> See, when you realize that you have all that you need, you can't help but rejoice, <laughs> Notice through all of this passage, Paul keeps talking about to the praise, to the praise, to the praise. The point is, because the blessings have come down, we should praise. The response should not be, would you look at that? Look at all these blessings from the Lord. This is great. Look at them. No, that's not the response. <laughs> the response should be just awe. And God, I want to praise. 
I can't help but rejoice in who you are. I love, I skipped this. I didn't mean to. I just got excited and in a hurry. I love, uh, where to go? Didn't go anywhere. I just can't find it. Oh, verse uh, six, to the praise of his glorious grace. It describes God's grace as glorious. It means his, his grace is triumphant. It is victorious. It is majestic. It is magnificent. And when you look at God's grace, that kind of grace, you can't help but revel in it in praise. So the response to the blessings of God is to rejoice, not just through song, but certainly through song, to praise. If you have Jesus, you have it all. <laughs> you have it all. So here's what we're gonna get to do. We're gonna get here in just a second. I'm gonna have the, the team come on up um, and we're gonna sing a couple songs. Uh, by the way, just as a really side note here, that's gonna be a little bit more of our method. We're gonna try to um, have some more worship at the end because if it, I'm honest, like a lot of y'all are like me, you come in at 9.30 and you're just hoping you're, well, not for me this morning, but normally you're hoping your coffee kicks in and you can kind of wake up. So we're going to do a little more worship after the message. Um, but here, here's our response time. If you in no way, shape, or form are ever moved to worship God when you think about the blessings you receive from him through Jesus Christ, then I would say then perhaps maybe you're not in him. Maybe you're not a child of God. And the cool thing is you can be this morning. He offers you that grace to be, adopt you as his child through the life and death and resurrection of, the, of Jesus Christ. And so as we sing here in a moment, there are gonna be some pastors, uh, one or two back at the Welcome Center and one or two at the coffee bar, and they would love to pray with you and talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. If, you're, if you know you're a Christian, but you feel like you're often not moved to praise God because of his, uh, because of his blessings, and that's because you feel like maybe because you're distracted or you just have never really given much thought to the blessings of God. <laughs> well, the cool thing is there's forgiveness for that too. And he, op- he welcomes you with open arms. So as we praise this morning, it's, it's a good opportunity just to think about the words of these songs and say, God, I really am blessed in you. And I want to worship you because of it. Who you is? <laughs> you are a blessed child of the King. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the venue podcast.